if you look throughout history, the world was built by the people who were fundamentally different, who stood out, who were the outliers, who were literally the black sheep in so many cases. And our message to those who are driven to move forward and who feel like they have a contribution to make in the world is that there is nothing wrong with you and you are not alone. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Hi, this is Nikki Ballou, and I'm here with my co-host, Michael Palmer. I got to tell you, I am super jacked and excited to have as our guest today, the legendary Alex Charfin. Alex is the author of the book, Entrepreneurial Personality Type, your guide to the most important and misunderstood people among us. I've had the privilege of reading this book. It's absolutely fantastic. I've had the privilege of seeing Alex speak at uh, the 2015 Titan Summit hosted by Robin Sharma. He was mind-blowingly great. Alex is a true thought leader. He's someone with incredible expertise And he's someone who has managed to take that expertise and make it commercially successful. For this reason, Michael and I are super excited to have you uh, on the line with us, Alex. How are you doing, my friend? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a total and complete honor. Total and complete honor. Um, So listen, let's dive right into um, the content and the business of what we're trying to do. So First question I wanted to ask you, Alex, um, and I kind of know the answer to this, but for the benefit of the folks listening today, could you tell us what is your key unique message? (laughs) Sure. Um, In in as few words as I can, entrepreneurs are a subpopulation. Entrepreneurial personality type is a subpopulation among us that is driven to move forward that is a physiologically sensitive population that feels momentum. And throughout centuries and and in the history of the world, we've been misunderstood, isolated, judged, uh, diagnosed, uh, even medicated, and locked up. And the reality is, is that if you look throughout history, the world was built by the people who were fundamentally different, who stood out, who were the outliers, who were literally the black sheep in so many cases. And today we have this equation that, you know, we have where doesn't look like everyone else, doesn't sound like everyone else, doesn't read like everyone else equals a person who's broken and we have to fix. And throughout history, that same equation doesn't sound like everyone else, doesn't look like everyone else, doesn't read like everyone else. The more dramatic that was, the more impactful the dent in the universe that person made. And our message to those who are driven to move forward and who feel like they have a contribution to make in the world is that there is nothing wrong with you and you are not alone. I love that. I, I, I really, one of the things we talk about, Alex, in, in thought leadership is having people get that you know who they are. And when I read your preface, I felt like you were me. And um, everything you're saying is, you know, your your past is is my past. And 
you know, it's a, it's a fantastic message. So I want to, I want to congratulate you on that. Thank you. And thanks for the validation. You know, uh, part of the reason I wrote the book, um, and I think part of the reason that I put it out like I did, uh, is, you know, I, I wanted that validation, but you know, I, I now look at the tactic I use and I think, man, I, I bypassed anything commercial. I, uh, I made it so that I could just get out what I wanted and then I made it so that I could control it. And I think that it's because, um, you know, in so many ways, you know, you you read the book, Michael, it's pretty deep. And uh, the personal journey I had to go through to get there was difficult. And so I appreciate every time somebody validates that they feel the same way, because I think that regardless of how successful you are, or what you achieve. In fact, maybe even there's a direct line to how successful you are and how much you achieve. You still have that desperate need for validation from other people who are like us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have to say, you know, it, it really is modeling a fantastic approach into the market. I mean, ha- having not seen you speak before, or actually Nikki introduced me to you, so I didn't know you from, from the past. And then here I read this book, I get, you know, five pages in, and you, you created a whole world of who you are in the world. So I know who you are. And I, I you know, now I can follow you. I can, you know, uh, engage in your content from a whole different level. I feel like I've met you before, and I, hmm. I think that's a big message that you know thought leaders can can get from writing a, a book like you've done, which is it's chock full of really useful information. But you know, having people even just in that first preface to to set the stage, set the table of who you are, what you're about, where you're going, and connect with your audience, you did a fantastic job. Michael, I appreciate that. I think that um, that's a validation of transparency. Because uh, that, you know, there was, there's some risk in the book, The Entrepreneurial Personality Type. Um, you know, we make some declarations, some sweeping declarations. And we did so believing that when it got into the hands of people like you and Nikki, that you would declare it the truth. If we explained it the right way, you would say, hey, look, this is my truth as well. Sorry, I get a little emotional. No, it's good. And, uh, it's good. And it, here's the thing, right? It, what yeah. I was when I was reading it as well, I, I thought, you know, it, this is this is a book for me, and it's a book for people like me. It's not a book for everyone. It's a book for hunters. It's a book for people who you know wake up and have 50 ideas, and they get out of the shower and they feel like they need to you know write on the shower wall because of all the ideas that they have and they want to take out into the world. So, you know it. I think you, you nailed that part of it, and, uh, and and so I don't want to go on about it because it's you know I'm going to start to sound like the, I'm the Alex fan club, but uh, you know really you know a lot of times you pick up a book and you read it and right away it, it's just a lot of fluff and it's a lot of talking you know building you know person up and they think they need to you know b- go beyond uh, who they really are and talk about all these great things that they've done when that puts a lot of people off and and your book really just. It was a personal book. Like you said, it's, it's the authentic you coming out in that. So really yeah, great. I have, I have an amazing, like unbelievable relationship with my, um, with my CEO, our chief communication officer, Adam Pedowitz, who he and I have written together for over half a decade. We took a little break, <laughs> but we started in 2009. 
And, um, and he helps me, you know, I, that, that book was about 8,000 words and it started when I gave it to Adam, it was, I don't know how many tens of thousands. And he made it that, you know, helped me get it to that laser point message where just when you're done with the preface, you connect. So I just want to acknowledge that because, um, there's no way I can do everything I do alone. And sometimes I think people watch me and want to keep up. And I always want to acknowledge my team because there's no way um, any individual should try and keep up. My team's crazy. <laughs> Build a team and then try and keep up. No, that's very powerful and very, very important. So listen, I think this is a nice segue to the next question I wanted to ask you, Alex, which is, you know, and, and the answer again is, I think, obvious, but I'd like you to articulate it is, who is your target market and what mm-hmm. had you choose them? Yeah. You know, it's funny, Michael. I think that that when people see me on stage or they they see pictures with like Joe Polish and Tony Robbins and, and Robin Sharma and stuff, and they think like, man, that guy's got everything. And, you know, it's so easy. And, and we look at kind of the veneer of everything that that creates, you know, and, and I think people see this person who just doesn't really exist. And in my life, you know, very early on, I, I got, had the good fortune of becoming a consultant. And uh, around 21 years old, I had Fortune 500 clients. I started spending time around some of the most wealthy people in the world. And what I realized was, you know, they're all the same. And, and the, the more wealth and the faster someone was growing and scaling, the more help they needed, the more, the more like, I'll be honest, man, the more dysfunctional they were. And when I was younger, I was so different and so outside the system in school. You know, I I had a really challenging time. I had a great family life, but school was like going to prison every day. And I read incessantly. I was obsessed and I read about success. And, you know, Michael, I, I had this experience of feeling like the odd man out and being completely broken, always picked last. I got beat up almost every day. I had a really hard time. And when I went out reading about successful people throughout history, I found myself. Thomas Edison was homeschooled. Albert Einstein didn't speak until he was four, couldn't pass algebra, neither could I. You know, you start looking at, at all, at Richard Branson's dyslexic literally can't read. My friend Dean Graziosi, who's worth, I don't know how much these days, but he's just made this ridiculous impact, like cannot sit down and read a book without a tremendous struggle. And so I wrote the entrepreneurial personality type to do two things, to validate for people like us that they're not alone, but make it more than that, to prove that the person who wakes up in the morning driven to move forward, the person who has the courage or the, the, the lack of whatever it is that stops people, who, who declares we have to change the status quo, who says we need to make the system better, who says we need to improve things and who's willing to put up with the consequences is all the same, that person. And when we look at the rest of society that is desperately trying to become average and clinging to the status quo, I want the people who get up every day wanting to make an impact and move forward to understand that you're not alone. Because here's what happens. When we're growing up, when we're in certain situations, you know, we have all felt isolated. Michael, do you remember feelings of isolation? Absolutely. 
still do. And, yeah, and me Nikki, too. You know what me I'm talking too. about, right? One hundred ten percent every day. <laughs> and and the issue is we don't talk about these things. We don't share them. We don't tell people what's going on. And so we all feel like we're the only ones. And here's what I want everyone to hear: if you've ever felt isolated or alone and known you were different. If, if you've ever been compelled to change things, if you've ever looked at something and said, that can't be that way, and if you've ever put your heart into creating something, you are not alone. And I realize that your life might have made you feel like you're isolated and that there was nobody there. But I want you to take a different view. Throughout history, Every name you remember, anyone who matters to be remembered, has been just like us. So it's not that you're just not alone. You are part of the most important club in history because the only source of positive human evolution has been the entrepreneurial personality type, and it will always be. That's brilliant, man. I want to like jump up and clap. I feel like I'm at a political rally. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, man. I love it. So listen, Alex, tell us a little bit about the business end of the message. So how are you leveraging the message as well as how are you leveraging your marketplace? Uh, you know, from a commercial point of view, what are the things that you're doing and how are you going across various modes of delivery in order to get your message out there and still be commercially successful. You bet. And before you, while you're thinking about that, Alex, I, I want to just you know, chime in and say, you know, you, you really wear your heart on your sleeve. And you, I, literally, as you're speaking, I have a tear in my eye. You know, it, it, it brings me to why we create things like the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. It, it, you know, for me, I, I, I always loved superheroes because I think I identified with them. They were different. They had, you know, there was something unique about them. Not everybody appreciated them. And so I, when we're doing the work we do, I think of it as I'm building and we're building the Hall of Justice, the Hall of Justice for people like yourself, Alex, the people that are out there that are feeling alone and, and have a great message or have a great offering for the world that they can make that difference. So, you know, I, I just feel like it's such a treat to have you on the on this on this call and be the person that you are and so so you know pleasurable to actually have a conversation and hear you speak so i guess i'm just extremely He's extremely gushing, alex. i'm He's gushing, gushing I, i'm gushing but it, it's right. it's refreshing alex so thank you and keep <laughs> and I, I, you know i you're not alone and i got to say just keep on being who you are man we need more people to just be authentically who they are. That's that's part of the the message we, we talk about as well is is just shed away all the stuff that's not you, that all this, the stories, the the things that you think you should be doing and all of that. Get rid of that because what the market wants is they want people like Alex that just be who they are. And that's so commercial right there. So, you know, I'll, I'll let you answer Nikki's question because it's a great question. We there's, a, there's a bromance going on here, Paul. Sorry, between you sorry. And Alex, I'll bro it down to down. I'll bro it down to down. It's I, true. You know, I, I just, you know, it's funny that you said what you said because my friend Brett Campbell says that the entrepreneurial personality type book defined that entrepreneurs are real life alphas. And then he typically like refers to me on social media as Dr. X. I didn't know what that meant, so he explained it to me. It was very flattering. Beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, funny that you brought that up. 
So Nikki, so here's here's how we run a business, and and I think it's different than how most people approach it. We create a product line, like we have some products right now, giving everyone an idea of how we connect with people. So. We, we do a lot free. We have a free Facebook group called the Entrepreneurial Personality Type. I put a ton of content there. I know both of you are in there, you know, and, and watching the videos and stuff. We have another free product called the 10-Day Natural Thirst Challenge. That's part of our physiology products. Um, so that first Entrepreneurial Personality Type is at We Are EPT. The Natural Thirst product is at Get thirsty now. And those are some, some free products that we have out here. And here's what, here's what people see. And then I'll tell you our strategy. Cause I think we're different than anyone else. The book, you know, the limited edition book that both of you have read, um, the Facebook group, uh, YouTube, the speaking that I'm doing is building a movement. And we are out to show entrepreneurs you know, we want to to define and unify and show them that they are part of this massive community. We want to provide a plan and, and show them how to scale businesses faster. And, and we have a class that does that and that I'll talk about in a second. We want to show them how to understand themselves better, create momentum, get healthier. And we feel that the best way to start that is to create movements in the market that do those things and point back to us. And so that's what those products are doing. And we, it's funny, we've, we've just launched the 10 Day to Natural Thirst site. We haven't even done a lot of the marketing around it. Just did a few posts and stuff, and we're going to start driving traffic to it. We already have people live, you know, live streaming their Natural Thirst Challenge every day. And so what we do is we start movements. Here's, here's what I know. You know, I'll explain to everyone who's listening about the book. In fact, maybe one of you should. Do you want to explain the experience of the book so that I can kind of explain the strategy behind it? Well, I'll tell you what was unique about the book, okay? When you, uh, you know, uh, did me the honor of giving me a copy of the book, you explained your strategy for it, which I thought was extremely unique and thought-provoking. You told me that your intention was to have 500 copies of the book, so a, a first and final edition of the book, and that whoever took on getting one of those 500 copies had to commit and sign their name to do something. And I got to tell you, I really love that. I really mm-hmm. believe in commitments, signing your name and following through on your word. It's it's one of my keywords, key motifs, key differentiators, unique messages in the marketplace. And my commitment was that I would read the book. And then once I read the book, I would find somebody else. I would give them the book and I would get them to commit to what I'd committed to, which is that they would read the book and they would date when they finished reading the book, and they would find somebody else to give the book to who would agree and commit and sign their name to the same thing. So right Hmm. away, that to me was, I think, marketing genius because, first of all, it meant that only really committed people would get a hold of the book, okay? (laughs) And it was also very powerful because it fed into one of my biases, which is commitment, integrity, and following through. Then when I actually started to read the book, what really blew me away about the message was what you said, which is you are not alone. You know what? I felt alone a lot throughout my life. You know, I felt alone as a kid. You know, people always told me, hey, you got a great big temper. You know, you need to tone it down. You're too passionate. You're too this. And like, I've always felt that's BS. 
Because I, I, I love my passion. I love what I'm like. But for a lot of people, they want to like, it's that tall poppy syndrome. If you're the tallest poppy, they want to like cut you down, right? This book gave me permission to be that freaking tallest poppy. You know what I'm saying, Alex? Absolutely. I mean, that was the goal, Nikki. Yeah. You know, the fact is, here's, here's what I believe. And this is, this is a conviction that I hold. When people ask me, you know, what political party or religion I am, I say capitalist. And I'm yes, not kidding. buddy. I'm not kidding. And uh, the reason is, I think if we look at the capitalist system, when it's functioning properly, capital flows to contribution. Yes. And I'm going to write that down in my journal while you said this, man. That's absolutely brilliant. And, and the fact is this, you know, Nikki, is that when you look at entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter how they start in life. They end driven to make a contribution. We're witnessing it in our lives right now. We watch Bill Gates go from America's most wanted, a public enemy number one, to the guy who's trying to save the world. Same with Warren Buffett, the guy, don't give a penny away, trying to save the world. And the fact is, is we are all driven to make this intense contribution. And, and our movement, the book, the two-day leverage class that we teach entrepreneurs, the two-day low-risk, high-reward physiology class we teach entrepreneurs on how to connect mind and body and make better decisions. All of these things are about helping the entrepreneurial personality type do one thing, scale. I want every entrepreneur to get momentum, to get leverage, to grow big organizations that make massive impacts. Because if you look at the history of the world, what has changed the world for the better 100% of the time has been an entrepreneur who was able to stand up and build a team, lower pressure and noise, increase protection and support, show their strengths, show the abilities they have, and go make their greatest contribution. I want people to start that way and understand just how important what they're doing is. Because when I look at entrepreneurs, I think we have a moral imperative to do everything we can in the world because we are the subpopulation of the species that is here to make things better. And once we declare that's who we are, we only understand ourselves better. Charfin for president, baby. I love it. <laughs> I it's love a job it. that I, that's it. That would be far too much pressure and noise for me. I think I can, I think I can make a much bigger impact by not ever stepping near that office. No, no, I, I get it, man. I get it. But you know what? I believe in that too, man. I believe entrepreneurs are the most important people in our society. Everything good in the world, in society happens because an entrepreneur had a dream, an entrepreneur yeah. who was willing to get past the naysayers, an entrepreneur who was willing to get up day in and day out, do the drudgery of daily disciplines to make their dream happen. Their dream causes all innovation. Their dream causes all jobs to be created. Their dream, frankly, is what makes our world and our life a better place. Uh, I think what you said is 110% bang on. And uh, I know Michael feels exactly the same way about this. This is why we partnered together in the first place. And why we started this podcast is we want to have a subspecies of that subspecies, specifically the thought leaders, the ones who yeah. do the hard thinking, the ones who come yeah. up with the ideas that serve 
the entrepreneurial personality types to win and win big. Because most of those folks, Alex, let's face it, they're not winning big. They've got great ideas. They've got great contributions that they're ready to make to the world, but they just haven't figured out a way to make that contribution on a large scale and to make the kind of income that they deserve to make. They make all good things happen. They deserve better. That's why this podcast exists. That's why wonderful guests like you are on this podcast. I appreciate it, Nikki. I mean, I think, you know, you, you circle back to the book, and the strategy behind it. And what is the marketing strategy? So I'll give you guys this really funny story. So everyone now understands. So here's what I did. I published 500 copies of a book. And I, I, I labeled it first and final edition, limited edition, um, no reprints. And then I have hand signed each one and numbered them. So it's the only time we know of in history that any author has printed a limited edition, single run, hand signed, hand numbered, just like a limited edition lithograph or watch or car or, you know, the other things. Only this one's different. You don't get to keep it. And we wanted to make it exclusive because people like us respect exclusivity. We wanted to make it somewhat um, process oriented because people like us respect having to think in order to move to the next step. And we also wanted to cause conversations because if we put the information out into the marketplace and people talk about it, the right people will come back to us. And, you know, when you, when you tell people exactly who you are and you show up as exactly who you are, it's crazy how the right people come back to you. I always share people that with people since 2009, I was, or 2007, I spoke in the real estate industry and I got on a lot of impressive stages with CEOs of some amazing companies. I had incredible people on my stage. But since I started showing up as exactly who I am, wearing what I want to wear, saying exactly what I think, and really showing people our real content, I'm on stage with Robin Sharma and Tony Robbins and Joe Polish and guys that I never dreamed I'd be hanging out with. And I think that's a message for everyone because any attempt to be anything other than yourself is nothing but pressure and noise that will create drag in your life and stop you from being in momentum. That is bang on. Wow, man. That's a wow level insight that I think any thought leader would love to have. Be yourself. It, it's great. And, you know, I love the strategy around connecting people with the book and making it your art, you know, the tie-in to it being a piece of framed art. It's a limited edition. And just the book has a purpose. Has, first off, it has a great message, number one. Number two, the it's producing an outcome in the world that I think is, is extremely honorable. You're going to connect all these people. But as well, you know, it's commercially smart because it's bringing everybody. There's 500 people, A, that are going to get to get to know who Alex is. And then there's a hundred other people because in the book, that's the whole idea is to get this book yeah. into the hands of a hundred. So that's a really big, you know, when we talk about building an audience, Alex, you nailed it. Bang, one, one strike of the hammer. Here's why, here's the math, guys. So one of my close friends, Michael Drew, owns Promote a Book. He, he's the guy who knows how to do the strategy where if you have a good book, he can get you on the bestseller list. And we sat down and looked at it. <clears throat> and I said, Mike, what does it really mean? And he said, if you sell 50,000 books, you hit it out of the park. And if you get 2% readership, you're lucky. And I'm like, oh, 50,000 books, 2%. What? What do you mean 2% readership? Nobody's going to read the book. I'm going to sell, spend money to sell 50,000 books and nobody's going to read it. And so for months, that equation was bugging me. 
And like, doesn't that bug you? Because I think here, here's it what I think. Like today, a lot of books are business cards with too many words. And people are just putting them out for the notoriety. That's why 2% of them are getting read. Books mean something to me. Don't you guys agree? Oh, and books mean everything to me, man. I, re- I read 71 books last year. They're a big part of my life. And I'm uh, I'm an audible guy. I'm I listen to I don't get in the car and listen to music or radio. I only listen to podcasts and books. My life is has been made up by thousands of books. And uh, so when I when we did this, I didn't want to just get two percent readership. And so we did the math backwards and said, if we put out five hundred, and we ask that it gets passed along a hundred times, then we get fifty thousand readers. And if you do two percent of that, that's selling millions of books. You know, what we did was put faith in the process and said, if we give this to enough entrepreneurs, maybe all 500 books aren't going to get passed 100 times, but maybe maybe 250 do and we get to 25,000 people. But let's say that the project absolutely fails and it falls completely flat and we only get 2,000 readers. I mean, that's 500 we're going to get because they're getting sent directly to the person. Let's say we only get 2,000. That's the same as selling 100,000 books. So there was my no boggling. way this project failed. You no. know, my, uh, one of my first mentors, Rick Thorpe, who was a an hunter and an entrepreneur, great entrepreneur, very successful, he said, volume is vanity, profit is sanity. And you've done the math on building the audience and what, what an interesting take. Never really thought of it that way. And I think extreme gold. <laughs> Thank you. No, it truly is, man. Truly is. So, Alex, there's a couple more questions I wanted to ask you in this regard. One of the things, you know, you heard Michael talk about superheroes, and we really love to talk about superpowers and kryptonite. Share with us and with listeners, what is your superpower uh, Mm -hmm. inside your thought leadership, and what's your kryptonite, and how do you mitigate the effects of the kryptonite? Gosh, that's a good question. So I think that- um, Thank you. That's a really good question. So I think uh, my superpower, Nikki, is um, creating movements and defining movements and showing people how to gather around a body of content and help each other. Oh, God, shit, I hate getting emotional about this stuff, but I always do. I was raised in a very unique way, and um, I don't want anybody to think it was weird because it wasn't, but- my mom was a leader for a group called La Leche League in the 70s. And it was a breastfeeding support group, which, you know, regardless of what anyone even thinks, that's how I grew up. And so as a kid, some of my earliest memories are being in support groups and watching young know, people help each other and watching them increase their levels of success through community. When I started my first business, it was really a community. We, I had a bunch of guys that were washing windows in high school. When I started my second business, it was a friend of mine and I, and we did billing collections for fraternities and sororities. So we created like this huge fraternity community. And when I was a consultant, it looked like I was consulting with the Fortune 500. But what I was doing was creating these movements and communities. You know, nobody was doing business with Latin America. Ken Richard and I created a company called Latin Channels, and we had the largest event in Latin America. And we built the retail and distribution channels down there. That was a movement. In 2007, Katie and I, we had been working with people in foreclosure. We, we went bankrupt. We had like this huge turnaround in our lives. It basically caved in on us. And as a consultant and Katie, you know, had worked in real estate for a while and we, we looked at the market and we saw an opportunity and we created a movement 
to solve the foreclosure crisis out of bankruptcy. And, you know, I, I remember being bankrupt and thinking like, is this going to work again? Because it's so obscure how you create a movement. And it's so not like going through a checklist, but it really is studying movements obsessively. I've, I've studied them all. I remember thinking, can we do this? And being bankrupt and not having the resources and walking into a class January 23rd and 24th, 2008, and teaching 62 people this body of content that we thought would help realtors mitigate people's chances of going into foreclosure. And in that first year, we trained 1,500 real estate agents and the movement was started. In the second year, we trained 15,000. And over the course of time, we trained 47,000, 26,000 of whom cycled through a continuity product. And the U.S. Treasury said we pulled the foreclosure crisis forward at least five years with, with our team and our membership. And our team never exceeded about 100 people. So our tiny little team changed the economic future of the country. Wow. And through a movement, through a movement. And I think that that's, that's who I am. You know, I grew up in this support group. And then my mom also was always in 12-step uh, programs. And she was also open with us as kids and told us what was going on and shared with us what was happening for her. So her level of transparency has has translated, I think, as a very high level of empathy for me, for people like me. Because when you, uh, when you grow up in the breastfeeding support group, you're around people who are different. When you think of the life that I've had, I've always been around people like us. So I think, you know, guys, sometimes it's the weirdest feeling. Because I feel like in a way, I've had these experiences and these, these weird days where like, spending time with Sylvester Stallone, hanging out with Jack LaLanne, like running into people, being around people. Like, how does that happen to me so much? But sometimes I think that like, that's why I'm here is to help the people who are trying to get there, get there. And my empathy for people like us, I think is the superpower. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, I totally love it. Without a doubt. And I think that my kryptonite is really clear. Um, There's this opposite personality type to the entrepreneurial personality type that doesn't think that things should be new or different, that likes to memorize things and look historically at things and and bring footnotes forward to show you how you're wrong and wants to understand, um, you know, how, how the scientific solution, you know, is going to be presented rather than just look at the results. And, you know, it's this other side to it, the person who's just desperate to enforce the rules. And I, I just, those type of people can shut me down. And, you know, it's crazy because I'm, I'm, I'm wealthy. <laughs> I don't worry about like stuff that I used to worry about. I'm seen as a, you know, as a thought leader, as an expert. I'm, I'm put on stages where people would only dream of being. And I get around one of those people who's clipped and shuts you down and cuts you off and does, I can shut down in five minutes and I don't even realize I've done it. And I think for so many of us, that's our kryptonite. And one of the things that I go through every day really trying to be conscious of doing and aware of doing is making sure that I'm never the person who's cutting off my team or cutting off my wife or cutting off my kids because I do it constantly. It's just, we're, we're that driven. 
And so I'm always conscious of how many times a day I make the mistake. And I'm always conscious of going back and trying to loop back and make sure that I do it less. And I've been doing it less, but that's, that's my kryptonite is that, that, you know, both that I I'm shut down by those people, but that when there's high pressure and noise, I can become one of them. Oh, wow. That's, that's really self-aware of you to say that, man. So what do you do, Alex, when you're around one of those guys to mitigate his effect or her effect on you? You know, Nikki, um, I know that this is going to be hard for a lot of people to hear because we have been sold this bill of goods that being independent, being um, a boutique business, you know, not having responsibilities, like that's all really fun stuff. And here's what I do to mitigate everything in my life. Since I was about 10, I built teams and businesses. And when I need insulation from somebody like that, when we get into a legal issue, when we have some type of a challenge, I have people on my team who don't have that kryptonite. You know, when you run a business at the scale that, that Katie and I do, every day you have the chance of becoming that person. So every day I come in and I focus on transitioning anything that's making me uncomfortable to my team so that I, because if, if I'm less uncomfortable, I'm more present, I'm more aware, and I'm helping us move forward faster. And so I mitigate everything through having a team. And, and it's not just the one in the office. I'm very open. I see a therapist. I get body work done. I go and get very specific types of physical therapy and training. I treat my body like a professional athlete. I'm 43 years old. And most people in their teens and 20s cannot work out with me for more than 20 minutes. Nice. You know, that, that extended team, that extended set of activities, that extended set of habit and ritual all helps me mitigate those things and really making sure that I'm staying in the system that I've created for my life. Fantastic. Fantastic. Alex, you know, I have to say for the listeners listening right now, you've given us a class, a class on how to stand out in the marketplace. And your message, the way you reveal the stories about your life and what you've spent your life figuring out and how you figured out that you are a person that is an expert in creating movements, that you have eloquently demonstrated at a 10 out of 10, I would think. Nikki, wouldn't you agree? 20 out of 10. 20 out of 10 on how to share and reveal yourself in a way that people will never forget you and they will get you. And, you know, that's, I have no question in my mind why you were hanging out with Sylvester Stallone and these these other people who have, you know, done great things in the world is because you are a person who's figured that out. So it's such a pleasure to have you on. And I, I, I really, I think it was part of our inaugural podcasts. You, you've set the bar very high, sir. Well, you, thank you. You really, you really have. It's, it's flattering and confirming, and it still gets me emotional. You know, I think that... Um, hey, man, I'm Persian. We're sentimental. We, you know, I cry a lot. And Michael's, Michael's Canadian, but he's one of these warm Canadian guys who cries <laughs> a lot too. So don't worry about it. You're, you're amongst good company, brother. <laughs> well, and I, I love what you guys are doing with this podcast because here's the issue with thought leadership. As soon as someone has the spark of a thought that says, hey, you could lead. You could stand in front of the room. You could be that person. There is a life history saying you can't. Yep. 
And, and here's what everyone who is listening to this podcast, what I want everyone to hear is this simple message. The spark means you can because you don't get it unless you can. And so the faith to go day by day and say, I will lead, I will do this, I will find my tribe, is the faith that every entrepreneur in history has had to find in order to do that. And when we come to the realization that the thing that truly drives us is contribution to and momentum for our tribe, and we identify those people and become one of them, we have endless momentum and we move forward. And I think that the challenge for thought leaders is, is that leap of faith to say they will be there. And here's my message for anyone who's ever had the spark. They will be there if you are who you are. Because if there's an authentic voice in the market, it is heard so uniquely that it will cut through the static and noise that people live in today, and you will find your tribe, and you will lead them. Man, that gives me goosebumps, brother. I mean, Michael and I do this, and thought leadership's extremely important to both of us. But we both have some individual groups that we want to impact. I mean, I think I spoke to you about this, Alex. I especially want to impact young boys and young men because I think they're going to have a hard time right now in, in, the, in the society and the world that we live in. And uh, a part of me has been saying, I don't know if I can do this. Who's going to listen to me? I'm this thought leader guy. Nobody knows me as a therapist for men or for young boys. But I mean, listening to you right now, it's like, that's the cause of my life, man. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something big about it. And I know Michael's got some causes like that too. So thank you personally for what you just said, because it really sparked something inside me. My pleasure, Nikki. My pleasure. So listen, I want to wrap this up. Uh, and then Michael and I would like to, 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 to really thank you by extending a couple of gifts to you for being on our podcast. But I wanted to ask you if you could, in kind of bullet point style, give us your three expert action steps that you recommend thought leaders listening to this podcast take as a result of what you've shared with them. You got it. That's easy. This is the formula that every thought leader, every uh, historic leader, everyone who's ever stood out in a crowd and not been average and has achieved and moved the world forward has used. And it's simple. I think it's so simple that sometimes we run by it, but we've heard it over and over again throughout our lives. And we call this the contribution equation. The first step is lower pressure and noise in your life. People like us overcommit. We do too much. We get excited about shiny new pennies. We, we, we overwhelm ourselves. We don't absolve the obscurity and the ambiguity in our lives. We allow lingering questions. We leave conversations unsaid. Don't do those things. Lower pressure and noise. Get focused on what you really want. And if you do that, you lower pressure and noise. The second step is increasing the protection and support around you. And that doesn't mean, hey, I can't afford a team. I can't do that. 
You guys have protection and support with Nikki and with Michael right here on this podcast, helping you grow and increase the right influences on you. And then start transparently telling the people you're involved with what's really going on. Because when you're transparent, people fill in with protection and support in the right places. And if you're willing to lower pressure and noise, become focused, commit to a tribe, commit to going forward and commit to the spark that is driving you. You're willing to transparently expose yourself, be vulnerable and ask for protection and support. The third step is simple. Your strengths and abilities will show. Because throughout history, those who have been willing to lower pressure and noise, to ask for, maybe even demand protection and support because their mission was that important, have had strengths and abilities show that I don't know that we can even comprehend. I look at the day that Martin Luther King walked out on the lawn and the level of pressure and noise that he was under and the fact that it was before cell phones or the internet or pagers or Twitter or anything and there was 100,000 people there. That is a level of strength and ability that is magical and it changed the world. One person. And if you're willing to lower pressure and noise, increase protection and support, and allow your strengths and abilities to show, you will make your greatest contribution. And I don't want anybody getting confused. I already told you I was a capitalist. Contribution is a shortcut to capital. Go out, make the greatest contribution you can, declare it bigger than you thought it should be, demand that the market listen and you will have all the affluence and influence you ever wanted in your life. Wow. Okay. So I am completely blown away. And I also want to say to anyone listening to this podcast that you need to go uh, find Alex Charfin (laughs) online. You need to go to his websites, to his Facebook groups. You need to become a part of them. You need to sign up for his programs because this man delivers gold. He delivers value. And it's an honor to to know you, brother. (laughs) Um, We connected at the Titan Summit. I, I was blown away by who you were being. I was blown away by your talk. I was blown away that you honored me with one of the 500 copies of the book. And now you've honored me once again by being on this podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, Nikki, Michael, I love you both. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about where this podcast is going, and I would love to to come back at any time. You will be invited anytime, man. You are a part of the Hall of Justice, good sir, and uh, I, I imagine people are going to be running to to hear hear your message um, some more and go deeper with you. So that's that's fantastic. We're going to be sending you a book that was you know you mentioned surrounding yourself. You know, when I early on in in my career, I was lost uh, trying to figure out. Uh, this whole thought leadership thing. And I met a, a fellow in Australia by the name of Peter Cook and Matt Church, his his mentor. And uh, they run a program called Thought Leaders Global. Well, they've got a book called The Thought Leader Practice. We love the book. It's chock full of great value. And we're going to send you a copy. Wow, I really appreciate that, guys. Thank you. No, our, our, our pleasure. And listen, here's the other thing I want to say 
to you is every 90 days, we do these three-day immersions in and around this whole subject of thought leadership. You know, we, we've got people who are members of our community, who are members of, of the group and come and participate in this. I want to just say, Alex, I want to extend to you and Katie a invitation as Michael and I's guest to come to any of our upcoming ones. We've got one happening in early April. We've got one happening in late June. We host them here in Toronto at the Trump Hotel, which is an iconic piece of property. It's wonderful. We'd love to have you folks be our guest, and hopefully we can impart some things that'll be useful to you folks as being I really that. appreciate that, Nikki. That's a huge invitation. And I just wrote down early April and June, so I really appreciate we it. We will send you those dates. Let us know what works for you, but uh, you know, you're both invited as our guests, and we would love to have you there. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And if you could have your fabulous assistant send us an address for us to put the book in the mail to, we'll make sure that gets done. You got it. Alex, God bless you, brother. Lots of love to you. Lots of love to your lovely wife. And I love your kids' names, Kennedy and Reagan, two of the greatest <laughs> presidents America ever had. And I love that you named them that. Okay. Thank you, yourself. brother. This has been phenomenal, and I can't wait to do it again and see you both very soon. You bet, Alex. Take, Take care, care, man. Ciao. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening.